Good evening. It's good to see those of you who are here in person. Glad to have those of you who are joining with us uh, online. If there's any issues there with sound or any of those things, please let us know, uh, and we'll try to get those things corrected as quickly as possible. Just want to remind you of the ways you can watch us or listen to us. Our, our Facebook is at HBC Tullahoma. Twitter is at HBC Tullahoma. YouTube is at Highland Baptist Tullahoma. And then we have our phone live streaming also. Uh, and we may have some more information about phone live streaming uh, in the next week or two, but I just wanted to make you aware there may be some changes that may be coming with that. Go to our church website if you can, if you have access to the internet there. Uh, go to our church website, uh, highlandbaptistchurch.com. Uh, just go over just a few to the info tab. Under the info tab is where you can download uh, the worship bulletin. You can download this month's newsletter. Uh, you can also download the children's worship bulletins that go with uh, this past Sunday sermon. Uh, you can share those at any time with kids. Uh, a new one will be up for the next week, so uh, be sure to share that. You can share the links if you want uh, to, to others so that they can be able to, to have access uh, to those also. And then also under that same tab is where you'll find the prayer list. You'll want to go ahead and get that downloaded for tonight. We're going to go through our entire prayer list tonight and just try to get any updates that we have, any corrections that we need to make. So please uh, get that downloaded, even if it's just a digital copy there. Comment on Facebook, if you will, of any prayer requests or any uh, praise reports or any updates that we need to make or any additions that you want to share. Uh, you can also send those to us at highlandbaptist.cafes.net or at highlandbaptisttullahoma at gmail.com. And then while you're there on the church website, you can go ahead and go over to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab, and you can do your online giving uh, there. Real easy platform. Anybody can do that even from, from here. Uh, you can also uh, mail these in to the church at Post Office Box 1195, Tullahoma, Tennessee, 37388. Or you can drop it by the church anytime Monday through Thursday. Uh, in our business hours. And then let me just also remind you, we still have the books uh, that we're giving away for the Sunday morning series and Sunday night series that we're going through on the illustrated life of Jesus. Uh, we have some of those books on the side here at the back. If you want one of those from home, please send us a message. Uh, we'll get back in touch with you to get your email from, I mean, to get your address from you so that we can be able to send that to you. Uh, so go ahead and do that, or you can send us that email with that information, uh, and we'll send that to you. And then we also still have a few of the cards left with the numbers from the book of Revelation and the Old Testament as well. Uh, and so I uh, want to encourage you to pick up one of those if you uh, haven't got that already. Let us know that on online too there on Facebook if you need that. So glad to have you with us tonight. Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us in our song. For those here, pick up your song books and let's turn to 390. Uh, we are called to be God's people. Ms. Pat?
Amen. Thank you, Brother Mike. Thank you, Miss Pat. So hopefully you've had an opportunity to get your prayer list downloaded. If you haven't, go ahead and do that, highlandbaptistchurch.com. And then under the info tab is where you can get that. If you're in person and you didn't get one, we have those down here at the front on both sides uh, that you can pick up one of those. We're going to start with our friends and family side and then come back to the HBC family. Um, we're just going to go down the list. If anyone here in person knows uh, of any updates on any of these, please uh, don't hesitate to stop us and, and let us know that. Uh, I'm going to switch over here to Facebook where I can follow along with uh, you who are watching online uh, to make sure if there's any comments there that I can share uh, any updates. And so far I don't see any. So uh, as we uh, come to these to the prayer list here, uh, Bonnie Benkowski, uh, she is um, my brother's wife's mother, uh, his mother-in-law. Uh, she has cancer uh, and uh, still uh, going through a lot there with the treatment for that. Uh, so continue to remember her in prayer. Uh, remember Mike Hauser, who has melanoma. Uh, Katie Jo Bailey. And while we're here, let me go ahead and take a moment to switch over so I can give you the update, uh, the latest at least that I have on Katie Jo. Uh, so this is from Katie Joe's mom, uh, Carol. Uh, she said uh, that their day was not great yesterday. This was on February the 12th. Uh, so on the 11th, their day was not great. Uh, she said, I needed some, something to blame. So I'm focusing on the, the AVN issues in her legs and the pain meds related to that. She had been having some, Katie Joe had been having quite a bit of issues with that as well as uh, some uh, gastrointestinal type issues. And so the GI scope and endoscopy was at 7.30 uh, on the 11th that morning. Uh, and they said that the upper GI looked good. Uh, there is evidence of gastritis and lower GI was not clear of stool. Uh, there was some concern a couple, about midweek last week that she may have had pancreatitis, uh, but that was not the case. Uh, she said though that this is very concerning report since she's not eaten solid foods though in 13 days. Uh, and had, she had 24 hours of clear out medicine prior to the procedure. And so her lower GI was still uh, not clear there. Uh, the, Dr. Corkin, she said, is concerned with the combo of pain meds and being a transplant patient uh, has stopped her natural muscle and nerve reactions in the GI tract. Pain meds always uh, affect the GI tract, as most of us know, uh, with constipation and, and that, that makes it even worse. Uh, but severe constipation can cause nerves to be damaged. And so that could be the issue for her and also cause nerves other places in the body to be damaged. She said how all that's connected, uh, Carol said, is amazing to me, but it apparent, it's apparently happening. Her neuropathy in her hands and all of her legs has significantly worsened. Uh, and she met with Dr. Kahn, a neurologist, on Thursday evening. Uh, he did some testing to see what she felt uh, and didn't feel, and it was interesting but disheartening to KJ. Uh, Katie Jo, that she has become less capable of moving foot and toes. Her hands are quite numb as well as she drops items off and more testing uh, that is coming this week. Uh, so uh, she said that we're battling, battling three fronts, the GI, lower GI not working, the neuropathy, and the pain from the AVN and the hip, knees, uh, and ankles. And she continues to be on a clear liquid diet. Uh, she has an NG tube placed to continue cleaning out the lower GI tract. Uh, that was made on the 11th. 
uh, that made it extremely hard as she had finally began to feel well and wanted to eat uh, so bad for the procedure. Uh, we know the doctors are working hard to get it fixed completely, but she talked them into three bites of macaroni and cheese. <laughs> and so uh, just those three bites uh, were, she loved it, and, but actually felt like she was full uh, once she had that. So just continue uh, to, to pray for them as they go through the process there of trying to get things cleaned out. The, the pain of the belly is under control, which is wonderful, they said. The ABN pain is stable uh, with continued normal meds. Uh, and extra doses of Voltaren. Uh, and she said that um, this, the goal there is to get her legs and her ankles uh, taken care of where she can be able to support, uh, have support of that some on the floor. Uh, so be, be in prayer for her for that. She said that there are some praises that she's out of the severe pain and there was no major injury or abnormal growth in the GI tract. Uh, she's under great care uh, there at St. Jude's. Uh, with the doctors and nurses who put the NG tube in, they were very gentle. Uh, she, pr she got praises. She praises she got to see Haley on Thursday, and it was a thrill just for them to chat and laugh and hear tales of their travels. Uh, prayers for her to get cleaned out and can move uh, to try Delta housing soon, uh, that the doctors will be able to prevent more damage to the GI tract as well as to fix those ankles and knees. And so that's their prayer requests there and praise also with how things are going. So that's Katie Jo Bailey that's on our list. Uh, also want to remember Wilbur Warren. Uh, that is Bill Warren's brother. Just continue to remember him in prayer. Uh, Sarah Jernigan. Uh, that is Sherry Jernigan, who used to be one of our CDC teachers, her sister, uh, who uh, continues to be in a coma in the hospital in uh, Chattanooga. So keep her in your prayers. I remember Randy Tatum. Uh, who has cancer, uh, that's Ken Tatum's brother. Uh, Ashley Simmons, uh, who's a friend of the Thames, uh, who has cancer. Uh, LaVon Davis, uh, who has Julian Barr syndrome. Uh, and she's doing well? Okay. All right. So LaVon is doing good, uh, but we do still need to keep praying. So we just praise the Lord for that. Uh, Floyd and Sue Prince. I remember them in prayer. Uh, that request was from Myra Patton. I remember Kyle Copeland, uh, that's a friend of Brian Tate's, uh, who has cancer. Kyra Sherrill, uh, who has gallbladder issues. Do you know any more about her? Okay, so she's doing a whole lot better too. I remember Josh and Allison Hatfield. They are our missionaries in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Uh, just continue to pray for them. A lot of things are starting to open uh, back up there, and there may be a possibility for them to be able to come home to see family for a little bit this year without those exorbitant costs that we talked about uh, before, that if you leave the country of, of Canada, you had to come back in quarantine for 14 days in one of their motels that they um, uh, contracted with, and you had to pay the cost for that. So it was about $2,000 per person for the motel uh, for two weeks, plus your flight, and, and so bringing the family home, that was no way to be able to do that. So we just want to continue to remember them in prayer as they continue to share the gospel there and continue to, to uh, do, plant more churches. Uh, remember Amanda Harris. Uh, this is Mark Smith's niece who has breast cancer. Remember Don Smith, who is Mark Smith's father, uh, who's in hospice. He uh, seems to be doing fairly well considering he's in hospice, but uh, do keep him in your prayers. Uh, Elmer Bell, uh, Bethel's brother, still about the same, okay? So continue to remember him. Uh, Greg Renfro, who is waiting uh, for a kidney transplant. That's a cousin of Bell Royton, 
uh, and do need to check on that to make sure whether he's been able to have that or not. We've had him on for quite a while now. I remember Hoyt Farrell, uh, he's recovering from some broken bones and he's in, the, in care at, uh, down in Florida in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, this is Bobby Farrell's brother. Uh, he's doing fairly well, but just continue to remember him in prayer. Jay Barbier, who is our youth specialist for the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board, uh, he has cancer and is going through treatment still, so keep him in your prayers, uh, as well as uh, remember Wade Hall, uh, who's home recovering. And I believe it was Wade that we were told that's starting therapy, so keep him in your prayers as he does that. And then Roxanne Evans, uh, who has a brain tumor. She works at Motlow. Some of you may know uh, her. I don't know any update uh, on her. Uh, Riley Heiss, uh, who is Aaron and Ashley Heiss's uh, little baby, uh, he is uh, Down syndrome, but uh, he was in the hospital for quite some time, got out of the hospital back home on February 3rd. And so we praise the Lord for that. But he has an upcoming heart surgery on February 28th. So we want to remember him uh, in your prayers. Uh, that's Riley Heiss on your prayer list. I remember Wendy Crouch, uh, who has lymph node cancer. Okay. So Wendy has a couple of more treatments, we believe, left, uh, but has been doing those fairly well. So just continue to keep her in prayer. Remember Buddy Saunders uh, with some medical issues. That's Charles Saunders' brother. Uh, remember Jack Heiss, uh, who's the pastor at Marble Plains Baptist Church. Uh, he's had heart issues over the last few years. Uh, every time I speak with him, he's ready to go home, ready to be with the Lord. So keep him in your prayers. Uh, remember James Harvey, uh, who has cancer, uh, and that's Terry Stone's uh, dad. Remember Cindy Cruz, this is my cousin who lives in Waverly. Uh, she has uh, liver cancer and will be soon going to the oncologist uh, to see about some things uh, with that. Remember Debbie Norman, uh, she, we have a praise report from her. She had been on IC, in ICU on the ventilator since January the 4th, uh, but she is now off of the ventilator, uh, breathing at 97% oxygen the other day, uh, but still has a long ways to go because she had been uh, so long on that. So just continue to keep her in your prayers, but just a good report there uh, that she's progressing uh, very well. Uh, remember Tommy Bass, uh, who has stage four uh, lung cancer, and that's Tracy Henderson's dad. Uh, remember uh, Randy Alexander. Uh, this is Imogene Smith's son-in-law, so keep him in your prayers. He had COVID, uh, as well as uh, remember Wes McMinn. He has bladder cancer procedure coming up on March the 11th. Uh, they thought everything was gone, but uh, it wasn't, so they're going to have to do a procedure with him. I remember Matt Magnus's mother-in-law. Uh, she has a tumor around her liver. Uh, Matt Magnus used to be the youth minister over at Grace Baptist. He's a pastor up in West Virginia now. Uh, but just remember his mother-in-law uh, in your prayers, uh, Jesse's wife, uh, Jesse's mom. Uh, remember the people of Ukraine. Uh, we know that uh, uh, Ken Tatum has some friends there. I have some friends who are there uh, also, and you may know others, but just continue to keep the people of Ukraine in your prayers. Uh, be with Parker Crouch uh, in prayer for him. Uh, he fell the other day, and there was uh, concern. I think he was supposed to have a procedure today, didn't he? He was supposed to have, uh, he's ill at home care. He was supposed to have surgery yesterday. Mm -hmm. They started it, and his blood count was so low after an hour, they stopped it like a five or six hour. I talked to Linda, his sister, just a little while ago, and he's got good news count. He's up in the 80s, so the hope would be he gets 100 again and he can serve his heart. Apparently, the next injury. Right. Yeah, so when he fell, the worst part he hurt was his neck, and so that's the most critical surgery part that they're uh, 
concerned with. Uh, he, he, his blood, as Miss Pat was saying, his red blood count was too low when they started that procedure, so they had to stop, and they're trying to get that back up where they can be able to do that surgery. But remember Parker Crouch uh, in your prayers. I remember the, continue to remember the family of Mike Mason who passed away, as well as Mike Beck. I remember them in prayer. Uh, remember Mayor Ray Noas, uh, who had some heart issues uh, the other day and, and is still in the hospital, from what I understand. Right? Did he get uh, released today? Yeah. Yeah. So he is uh, in the hospital up in uh, Nashville. So keep him in your prayers uh, with his heart issues there. And then also, I think we mentioned uh, baby Layla last week, uh, who has some health issues. And Leona Ross, I believe, was the one that mentioned that one. So that's our friends and family. Are there any others that we need to add to that side? If there are or any of the others, uh, be sure to share those. And when we come to the family side, we'll um, we'll mention those. So as we go down the HBC family side, continue to remember S.W. and Carolyn Stone uh, in your prayers. Uh, remember Miss Rosalie Moore in your prayers. Uh, Charles Saunders. Uh, it says Swallow Test out beside there, but uh, he has actually improved quite a bit. Um, uh, Jason Robinson saw him uh, just a couple of weeks ago uh, at his store up in Shelbyville and uh, got to talk with him for about 10 minutes or so. Usually they're kind of in and out with COVID and everything, and, and they've been dying to get back to come back to church with us. But um, the, um, with COVID and everything, they've just been hesitant about doing that yet. So, But do keep him in your prayers as he continues uh, with his situation. Remember Herman Stidham? Uh, and remember Judy also there. Uh, remember Sandra Wells, uh, Jim Hess who for Traveling Mercies. I remember Andrew Griffin, uh, Vicki Boswell, uh, Wanda Nichols, uh, who has kidney issues there. Be with prayer for Bell Royton, who has Bell's palsy uh, and continues to have that issue there. Remember Mike Durham uh, in your prayers as he's recovering still from some burn issues last year. I remember Bill Warren, who has COPD. Uh, keep him in your prayers. We mentioned his brother over on the other side. Remember Arthur Hargrove. Uh, he's still having some issues, so uh, keep him in your prayers, as well as Beverly Daniels. She's done with her treatments. I believe that's right from what we heard uh, the other day, but uh, just continue to for, pray for her recovery uh, from, from the treatments that she's been having. And then also remember Jim Marlowe, uh, who's recovering from his surgery uh, also. And then James Johnson, uh, he is out of the hospital, I believe. I'm not sure if he's back home. I believe that's where he's back at. Uh, his, his wife had passed away uh, that we prayed for a few weeks ago, uh, so keep them in your prayer. Christopher's doing good. They've, uh, he, he took the patches off of his, um, his pl surgery places um, the other day. Uh, the top one near the hip was a little bit red, uh, and he was concerned about that, and it sent us some pictures to ask us about that. But then uh, yesterday, things had started clearing up with that. As long as it didn't get red or spread, uh, things looked fine, and so... Things seem to be going well. He's still walking with the walker, still walking up and down steps, and hopes to be by next Thursday um, walking with a cane when he goes to the orthopedic surgeon. So uh, I won't be here next Wednesday night, but I will be preaching uh, next Wednesday night via a video that will already be loaded up and ready to go. Uh, but um, remember him in prayer because he has to be there uh, next Thursday morning at 730 uh, for that appointment to get in before the rest. They wanted to get his appointment in as quickly as they could. Remember Alicia Snell, uh, who's having an MRI biopsy. She was supposed to have had a biopsy yesterday, I believe it was, or today, uh, but they uh, decided that she needed to have a more extensive one with the MRI bi biopsy. That's going to be February the 28th, so keep her uh, in your prayers and uh, 
anytime we have somebody on the prayer list, we've all we've gotten permission from them to be able to uh, share those things. And then remember Linda Doubt, uh, Linda and Jack Doubt. We've uh, Jack's doing better, Linda's doing better. They both had had the flu, but uh, Linda's sister uh, passed away, uh, and and uh, they're going to be uh, cremating her and doing a service uh, for her sometime soon. But it, that the arrangements have not been made at least. Uh, this morning and so keep keep her in your prayers and the passing of her sister and it's she's still having difficulty with getting over the passing of her grandson so just continue to uplift her in your prayers any others that we need to add to that part okay And Pat was just mentioning her brother-in-law that we had taken off the friends and family side uh, was doing better, if you may be wondering about him. Yes. What's his first name again? Okay, so that's Cotton, Cotton Myers. And that is James Myers' dad, uh, who is in ICU at Winchester with COPD. So remember him in your prayers. Any others we need to add? Any online there on our nursing home assisted living? Uh, those we have Miss Mamie Thompson. How's she doing? Mm -hmm. Oh, she's not. Okay. That's great. <laughs> I assume that's great. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, remember Mary, remember Mary Campbell, uh, who's at NHC, uh, Buzz Howard, uh, who's at Adams Place, um, and Peggy Eggleston. I'm assuming she's still at Life Care, uh, and then Opal Brooks, who is at Brookdale. Any others? I don't see any online there. Okay. Some more unspoken. And the Lord knows what those unspoken are. You may have some of those at home as you're watching tonight. So let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer then for these, and then we'll get right into our scripture because we have a lot to cover uh, there also. But we wanted to take time to go through our entire prayer list to make sure we had any updates that we needed to make there. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for you being here with us tonight. Lord, we thank you that you love us and you care for us and you always provide for us, even when we don't deserve it. We, we don't deserve anything, Lord, that you have done for us or given to us. We certainly don't deserve the free gift of grace and the salvation that you've given to us, but Lord, we come before you tonight confessing our sin and asking forgiveness of our sins. We want to come before you, Lord, and prayer especially tonight on behalf of these individuals that are on our hearts and so we don't want anything to hinder that so whatever is in our hearts and our lives that is sinful I pray that you'll bring it out into the light that we might confess it before you that we would be washed as white as snow uh, cleansed Lord that there be nothing hindering our prayers coming before you tonight so, Lord, as we do that and we confess, we ask for your forgiveness, we ask your cleansing, we ask, Lord, that you will be with each one of these that we've mentioned tonight. We've gone over every name that's on our prayer list tonight. We've mentioned unspoken needs. We've added some. And, Father, I just pray that you will continue to have your hand upon these individuals, continue, Lord, to show yourself 
uh, faithful. Uh, Father, we thank you for the healing that you've been bringing. We thank you, Lord, for the prayers that have been answered uh, and some that have just been partially answered at least. And we see the, the work that is continuing to go on there of healing. So, Father, we just continue to uplift them into your mighty strong arms and ask for you to just wrap your loving arms around them, show your power and your glory and your majesty as you bring the healing to their bodies, as you provide for all of their needs. And, Father, we just pray that you will uh, go before them and prepare the way before them, lead them and guide them through these difficult times that they're going through, especially those, Lord, who have lost loved ones and who are finding it difficult in their hearts uh, to deal with those deaths. Father, I pray that you will just continue to send an extra measure of blessing uh, of the Holy Spirit into their hearts and their lives, Lord, as you've told us that the Holy Spirit is the great comforter. Bring comfort, bring peace to their hearts as they draw closer to you and closer into your presence. Father, sometimes we don't always understand why things happen the way they do, when they do, but we know, Lord, that you have a, a plan and a purpose in that, that you can take even the bad things that happen in our lives and use it to bring glory and honor for your name. So that's what we pray, Lord, that even in those worst things that we've had happen in our lives and as we've prayed for these individuals, use it, Lord, for your glory and bring good into these individuals' lives. Lord, we pray for uh, those who are meeting here tonight with our WANA program, our youth program. Continue to bless them. Continue to bless our church as we continue to press forward. Help us, Lord, to continue to reach those who are lost around us, to reach the unchurched. And Father, I just pray that uh, you will help us as a church to be a, a, a beacon, a light that is set upon a hill that cannot be hid. Father, that others will see not us and not this church, but that they would see Jesus Christ and be drawn to him. And so, Lord, we just pray for your will to be done. Lord, all those unspoken needs that we have, the burdens, the cares that we bring with us, we, we give those to you, and we just ask, Lord, for your will to be done. Take those things, Lord, and help us to take upon us uh, your yoke, for your yoke is easy and your burdens are light. So, Lord, we pray for your will to be done. Bless your word tonight as we study about the church at Pergamum, uh, the worldly church, and I pray, God, that we'll be able to get through everything here to, that you will just uh, lead us and guide us through this passage uh, in a powerful way. May it speak to our hearts. May it give us direction for our lives, and may there be application that we can apply. May there be the blessing that every one of us who are here tonight and those who are watching online will receive, that as we read this word, as we hear this word, and especially as we keep it, may we experience that triple blessing from your word tonight. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, take your Bibles, if you will, turn to Revelation chapter 2 and verse 12 through verse 17. We're just going to hit the road running and try to get through as much as we can. Revelation 2 verse 12 through verse 17. We're looking at these letters here to the seven churches, and it's interesting to note uh, the cities in which these churches were located because it seems that each city had its own unique features and peculiarities. For example, two things stand out about the city of Pergamum. Uh, first of all, it was a center of instruction. It was a center of instruction. In fact, in the city of Pergamum, they had one of the most famous, largest libraries of the ancient world. It had over 200,000 volumes. In fact, next to that library, uh, next to the library that was found in, in Alexandria, uh, it was the largest in all the world. So it's the second largest in all the world compared to Alexandria's. Uh, one of the interesting things uh, is that the use of parchment, uh, the skins of animals as writing materials, uh, was invented there in Pergamos. 
the name parchment comes from the town, Pergamos. Uh, the, the Greeks were great exporters of papyra, uh, the, the material that paper was made of. Uh, and they got into a feud with the citizens of Pergamos, and, and they cut off all the supply of paper to the city. Uh, well, that city had to turn to another uh, way of written communication. And so they developed the use of animal skin or sheep skin uh, as writing material. Even uh, if you think about not too long back, uh, college diplomas were once uh, sheepskins. You may even still hear them referred to uh, as that, as getting your sheepskin, although most all of them now are on parchment paper. Uh, so the use of animal skin called parchment as a type of paper was invented uh, in the city of Pergamum. Uh, it was a very learned city. It was a city of education where great scholars came to study. Well, they had all those books there that they could uh, read and learn from also from uh, generations past. But it was also a center of idolatry. Uh, in this city was a temple built to the four great Greek gods. There was a temple to Zeus, a temple di to Dionysius, a temple to Athena, and a temple to Escapulus. Uh, in addition to this, uh, there were not one, but there were three different temples that were dedicated to the worship of the emperor, uh, to Caesar. Uh, Jesus calls this city, the city, as you'll see here in verse 13, where Satan's throne is. And so let's just read these two verses to start with verse 12 and verse 13. And, and to the angel of the church in Pergamum write, the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword... That comes from the description uh, of, of the vision of the Son of Man back in verses 9 down through verse 20. We know that sharp two-edged sword is the, is the uh, uh, emphasis there of Jesus coming to judge. Uh, and so with his words, with the word of God, so the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. Verse 13, I know where you dwell where Satan's throne is. Yet you hold fast my name, and you did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. So uh, Jesus causes the place where Satan's throne is, where Satan dwells. This, is, this church was located right in the middle, if you would, of, of hell's headquarters. Uh, it was living in the shadow of Satan himself. Uh, you could just see the satanic influence uh, in everywhere, in everything. Someone once said that it was as if the, as if the devil's bread was, was being baked in, in, and made in every bakery. Because right in the middle of this city uh, that, that was described as a city of hell was this little colony, if you will, of heaven, this church called Pergamum. Uh, there was there there's some uh, of us even today who may be going through some type of horrible hellish type situation. You may be the only Christian where you work. You may be the only Christian in your family. You may be the only one in your neighborhood uh, who goes to church, the only one who professes uh, Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. And, and you may feel like you're living or, or working right in the middle of, of Satan's throne, if you will, uh, of Satan's territory. Uh, and, and that ought not to be necessarily a discouragement to us. It ought to be actually an encouragement to us. Because you see, Jesus says to this church, I know where you dwell. And so just like Jesus knew where this church was dwelling, Jesus knows where you're at too. He knows the things you're going through. He knows the adversities you're facing. And if you're doing what God wants you to, where he wants you to, then you're exactly where God wants you to be because God has put you where you are so that you might be a witness for him. 
Uh, the Bible says that we're to be the light of the world. So where, where is a, a light to be the most effective? Uh, is to be put in the darkest corner. And that's what God does with us. Wherever it's the darkest, wherever it's the most ungodly, the most unchristlike, where faith is totally absent, that's where God puts his people. And so right here uh, where Satan dwelled, God had placed this church at Pergamum, and they were a firm church, they were a following church, and they were a fruitful church, but they were a church that was camped out, if you will, on the doorsteps of hell. And so Jesus deals with this church in three ways. I want you to see the three ways that he deals with this church. The first is this. He commends their loyalty. And that ought to be what he does with us. He ought to be able to commend us for our loyalty to him. We see those verses again in verse 12 and verse 13. But Jesus begins by commending the loyalty of this church. He points out to this church that they're living right where Satan's throne is. The Greek word for throne there literally means a seat of authority. So what the Lord is really saying here is, I know that you're living where Satan is in charge. Uh, you see, contrary to popular belief, uh, Satan isn't the king of hell. He's the prince of the power of this world and, and this age. And, and this church was located uh, in one of the worst places uh, that could be. Uh, and so uh, he, he commends their loyalty. One of the things he commends about their loyalty is they're, they're loyal in their confession. They're loyal in their confession. Jesus had observed about this church. Notice in verse 13 again, you hold fast my name. You hold fast my name. That is, they refused to keep quiet about the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. They, they wouldn't deny the name of Jesus. They knew the power of the name of Jesus because Jesus said this in John chapter 14 and verse 13 and 14 whatever you ask in my name this I will do that the father may be glorified in the son if you ask anything in my name I will do it so the name of Jesus has power they also knew the preeminence of the name of Jesus Christ Acts 4 verse 12 says and there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved they knew the presence even uh, of the name of Jesus Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20 for where two or three are gathered in my name there am I among them they knew the purpose of the name of Jesus because the Bible says in Matthew 1 and verse 21 she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus why for he will save his people from their sins that was the purpose of Jesus and so this church they would not deny that wonderful name uh, they love that name they sang about that name they live their very lives in the name of Jesus I mean we sing a song take the name of Jesus with you child of sorrow and of woe it will joy and comfort give you take it then wherever you go precious name oh how sweet hope of earth and joy of heaven Precious name, oh how sweet, hope of earth and joy of heaven. Think about this though. If this church at Pergamum had just kept silent about Jesus, they would have stayed out of trouble. They could have talked about their God all they wanted to. Nobody was concerned about their particular God because everybody had a God. There were gods on every corner, uh, temples built to every God. It didn't matter whether his name was Zeus or Aphrodite or Apollo uh, or, or whatever. In fact, everybody was expected to have 
some guy. But it was when they kept on confessing that Jesus Christ was God and that he was God alone, that's what got them into serious trouble. You know, that's kind of the way it is even today. You can talk about God all you want. People don't mind you talking about God uh, because they generalize. They, it's kind of some idea that's out there uh, because practically everybody believes in, in God. Today, 93% of all Americans believe uh, in a God. But when you begin to talk about Jesus, it's amazing how people react. I mean, think about it. If an athlete begins talking about Jesus, the reporter wants to quickly cut, the, cut off the interview. If a, if a politician begins to talk about Jesus, oh, we've got to go to a commercial. You know, many people don't mind giving lip service to God, but they don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. But do you know why this church stood by the name of Jesus and kept talking and preaching and sharing the name of Jesus? It was because they couldn't help it. They were so in love with Jesus that Jesus was just the natural topic of every conversation they had. Didn't matter what the conversation was, somehow it always came back to Jesus. You remember how it was in your life maybe when you fell in love with your husband or your wife and, or your fiance and, and they were on your mind all the time? Uh, you saw them in, in every flower and every budding rose and every canceled check. You, you remember uh, when, when that baby was first born? How all you talked about was that baby boy, that baby girl. We've got two here tonight that are flashing their, their grandchild around with their blue colors here. <laughs> the Stringfields have a grandbaby coming. And so, you know, we, we talk about them. We talk about our grandkids. You know, we're just so excited about it. You want to show everybody, what do you do? You pull, used to, you used to pull out your, your wallet to show those pictures. Now you pull out your phone and you're showing those pictures to everybody. Uh, you know, and, and you talk about how much they weighed and how long they were and how they looked like you. Well, that's the way it was when you fell in love with Jesus. You just want to talk about Jesus. And that's the way this church at Pergamum was. And Jesus was commending their loyalty uh, of their confession. Uh, and then notice also that Jesus was commending their loyal, that they were loyal in their creed in verse 13. Jesus also commended because he says, you did not deny my faith. You didn't deny my faith. They didn't give an inch on the faith that was once delivered uh, to all the saints. Today they would have been called, in our culture today, they would have been called fundamentalists because they believed in the virgin birth of Jesus. They believed in the deity of Jesus. They believed in the substitutionary uh, atonement, the substitutionary death of Jesus. They believed in the literal, physical resurrection of Jesus. They believed in an actual, visible, physical second coming of Jesus. They believed in a literal heaven and a literal hell. They believe that the Bible was totally the word of God. I want to say to you right now, you believe everything that we just said there, then you're considered by many today a fundamentalist. But I don't, I don't particularly like that term fundamentalist because it, it conjures up negative uh, connotations. Uh, it conjures up the thought of someone who believes that, that women who wear slacks are going to hell. Men who have hair touching their ears need to be saved. If you enjoy life and you have a good time, uh, you're not right with God. And that's kind of way some view fundamentalists. I want you to know that I'm not a fundamentalist in the way uh, that we dress nor in the way of our demeanor. But in our doctrine, I am. Jesus goes on to commend here this man named Antipas, who was his faithful witness or his faithful martyr, as verse 13 says. 
One of the standout Christians here, Antipas. That word is a very interesting word because it literally, the first part, anti there, means against, against everything. Uh, the word pas or pass means all or everything. So Antipas was a man who was willing to stand against everyone and everything if they stood against Jesus. He was faithful unto death. And so Jesus calls this man my faithful witness or my faithful martyr. That's one of the highest compliments paid to anyone in the word of God because that's the same phrase used to describe Jesus when you look back in Revelation 1 verse 5. Here is my faithful witness, speaking of Jesus. So here was a man who stood up against the world, even though the world stood up against him and took his life. Someone once said to John Knox, uh, the great preacher of old, he said, if you take a stand for Jesus Christ, all the world will be against you. And John Knox said, then I'll just have to be against all the world. This was a church that was loyal to the Lord Jesus Christ. But there were some problems. Here's where we find out the second point. He condemns their laxity. He condemns their laxity. Even though this church was a church that was devoted loyally, uh, unfortunately it had become a church uh, of doctrinal laxity. Uh, This was a church that had begun to compromise. There were some liberal individuals who had begun to eat away at the foundation of this church. And specifically, Jesus had two things against them. Here were the two things that he had against them, that they were allowing these individuals into the church. They weren't addressing the issue there, who held to the doctrine of Balaam and who held to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. So look at verse 14 and verse 15. He says, but I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. And so the problem wasn't that the church itself was holding to these liberal ideas and doctrines. The problem was that they were tolerating those who did hold to these uh, unbiblical doctrines. Uh, They had begun to compromise their beliefs uh, for the sake of peace in the church. Uh, And and there's a lesson that we need to learn here uh, even about liberalism, whether it's liberalism in a denomination or liberalism uh, even in a church. Wherever you find it, uh, somewhere lurking beneath the shadows, you're going to find compromise. Uh, But let's make sure first that it's liberal doctrines, not our preferences. There are some things we can disagree about in the Bible and still be believers. We can disagree about uh, when the rapture is going to happen. We can disagree about the tribulation, the millennial reign of Christ, the age of the earth, worship styles, all kinds of things. But there are some things that are non-negotiables. In other words, one of the things we cannot disagree on is that salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. We cannot negotiate that Jesus is not God because Jesus is God. We cannot negotiate on the fact of the resurrection, uh, that it is a literal resurrection that happened. We cannot uh, negotiate on the inspiration of the Bible and many other things. So this created some problems in the church. The problem first of of unspiritual carnality. Uh, There were those who were teaching this doctrine of Balaam. And you may be thinking, what in the world is the doctrine of Balaam? Well, to understand that doctrine, you have to understand the story. If you remember back in the Old Testament, Balaam was a Gentile prophet who knew God. So he wasn't of the Israelites, but he was a Gentile. He was a Gentile prophet who knew God and walked with God. Balak was the king of Moab. 
And he wanted Balaam to come and to use his prophetic influence with God to curse the nation of Israel. So he brings Balaam and he says, hey, come on, Balaam, I'll pay you this great sum. And if you'll just curse the nation of Israel, it'll make things better for me. Well, he tried to bribe Balaam, as we saw, but God's prophet, but to curse God's people, the nation of Israel. And Balaam tried to do that, not once, not twice, but three times. Uh, but God wouldn't allow him to do it. God said, the only thing you can do is bless Israel and not curse Israel. Well, Balaam should have left well enough alone. But he really wanted that money that Balak was offering him. And so he comes up with this plan. Uh, he goes to Balak and he says, hey, look, if I can't curse Israel because God said I can't curse Israel, then maybe I can corrupt Israel. And if I can corrupt them then God will have to curse them. His plan was to seduce Israel to commit fornication and adultery with these Moabite women. So he began to prophesy and to tell them, oh, it's all right if you cohabitate with these uh, other nations around us. No big deal. Uh, they're, they're people like we are. You could be with these foreign Moabite women. And when he did that, God true, and they did that, God, true to his word, true to his name, cursed Israel and slew 24,000 Israelites. So that tells us what the doctrine of Balaam is. The doctrine of Balaam is simply the mixture of the church with the world. Uh, the doctrine of Balaam is do as the Romans do. When you're in Rome, do as the Romans do. And so Satan is always trying to get into the church and get the church involved in, in two areas. He's trying to get the church involved in the worship of the world, and he's trying to get the church involved in the wickedness of the world. The Bible says that the two of the greatest sins that God hates is the sin of idolatry and the sin of immorality. So the church at Pergamum was being taught by some that it was all right to worship these other pagan gods. You're still going to worship God. It's okay. You know where your heart really is. You can, you can embrace these other gods and still worship God also. It's all right to do that. And it was all right to engage in sexual immorality. It was all right to go to the temple and worship Zeus and then to have relations with the temple prostitutes. Just do as the Romans do. There are people today who believe the church needs to be more like the world. Uh, that we need to talk the world's language, live the world's morals, adopt the world's methods. Because if we don't relate, then somehow we're irrelevant. Dr. Vance Habner once said, he said, you don't have to dress like a clown to witness to a circus. <laughs> and that's so true. I'm afraid that the world is suffering too often for the sins of the church far more often than the church is suffering for the sins of the world. And I'll tell you, we've been called to be different. We've been called to be separate. We've been called to be holy. We've been called to be righteous, uh, to be clean in a world that is dirty, to be a light in a world that is dark, to be wise in a world that is deceived, to be holy in a world that is depraved. But notice also the problem of unbiblical authority, because notice they also held to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. What was this doctrine of the Nicolaitans? Well, the best clue comes from the meaning of the word itself, because that word Nicolaitan literally means to conquer or to dominate the people. So if you take that first part, uh, it's the word Nike, uh, which we've looked at before, which is the word for victory or, or domination. And then the word Laos is the word for people. And so we get the word, uh, we get our English word laity uh, from the word Laos. 
Uh, so it literally means to have victory over or to dominate, oh, dominate the people. So evidently there were some people in the church who were trying to set up some kind of <clears throat> priestly order, if you will, in the church. They were teaching that the clergy was totally separate from the laity and that they had to be elevated above the laity. So they were trying to set up this ecclesiastical hierarchy, if you will, where the priest would be up here and the people would be down here. So you would have to confess your sins to a priest, uh, not to God. And you couldn't interpret the Bible for yourself. A priest had to do that. The church had to do that. And therefore, the priest would be the final authority over you, not the word of God. Well, Jesus had something to say to these people back in Matthew chapter 23 verse 9 he said and call no man your father on earth for you have one father who is in heaven now I don't want anybody calling me uh, father Norman <laughs> uh, I'm not your father <laughs> because you call someone your father you look up to them and I don't want you looking up to anyone except Jesus Christ uh, you call someone father you look up but when you call someone brother you're looking out. You're looking around. And we're all brothers and sisters in the Lord. There's only one who's elevated. There's only one who's exalted in the church, and that's Jesus Christ. The ground at the foot of the cross is level. And I'm not any better than you are, and you're not any better than I am. You don't have to go through me to get access to God. You don't have to go through me to understand the word of God. God has delegated authority in the church to the pastor. God has called the pastor to be a spiritual authority and leader in the church. But in terms of our relationship to the Lord, we're all priests under the authority of our high priest, Jesus Christ. Here's the third point that he makes in this letter. He challenges their love. He challenges their love. Look at verse 16. He says, therefore, repent. Jesus has one word there to say to the church. Repent. It's very interesting that Jesus calls the church to repent. Why? Because this church at, at Pergamum here, they weren't really doing anything wrong. They weren't themselves engaging in immorality. They personally weren't engaging in these liberal theologies and teachings. They were tolerating others who were engaging in those evil doctrines and practices. But know this, when you allow false doctrine and false teaching to be perpetrated in a church or denomination, you yourself need to repent. The crime of this church was that of being an accomplice to sin. To sin. Uh, you know, there are things even today that we may not have been there for it, but as being part of the church, we are uh, a part of it also. You know, the, the sins of slavery and, and, and adultery and sexual abuse and all kinds of things. They weren't liberals, but they had become an accomplice to liberalism. They hadn't stood up for the truth. They hadn't defended the truth. They hadn't expelled and repelled those who were practicing these false teachings. And so Jesus says to this church, you only have one alternative, either repentance or retribution. In other words, if this church doesn't deal with these false teachings, then I will. He will gather the wheat and he will burn the tares. And notice how he's going to fight against these uh, people who were teaching these false doctrines with the sword of my mouth. Therefore, repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. You know what the sword is, right, from the Bible? It's the word of God. 
Understand this, you can't outfox a liberal, you can't outsmile a liberal, you can't out-argue a liberal, you can't outflank the liberal. The only thing you can do is to just stick to the Word of God. And you mark this down and get it plain. When a church quits standing by the word of God, God will quit standing by that church. Jesus warned us that if we don't stand by the word of God, we will be judged by the word of God. Jesus said this in John 12 and verse 48. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. And then he comforts their leaders. I mean, they're going through, they're living right here on the doorsteps of hell. And so he sends some comfort to them. He makes a twofold promise to them. Notice what he says in verse 17. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. So let's just look at that first part there. Jesus makes this promise to him who conquers, to him who overcomes. That is to those who remain loyal to the Lord Jesus, to his person, to his precepts, who won't compromise with those false teachings or or lying. He promises these two things. You'll get to eat God's food, the manna. So he talks about the manna was the bread that fell from heaven while the Israelites were in the wilderness. And you remember Moses had taken some of that manna. He put it in a golden pot and he took that pot. And where did he put that pot? In the Ark of the Covenant. He then took the Ark of the Covenant and put it where? In the Holy of Holies, where no man could eat of that manna because it was hidden. It was away from the common person. Only person that could go in there was the high priest. That was it. And so you had to go through the high priest. And so that manna was hidden. And yet Jesus says there's going to come a day when all of us can eat of the hidden manna of God. That is, we can eat God's food. What he means is we'll be able to enjoy forever all the blessings that God has in store for us. You know, the word of God says that eye has not seen, ear has not heard what God has prepared for those who love him. You know, the Bible talks about one day we're going to be at a precious, great wedding feast where we're going to have a marriage supper of the lamb. And we're going to eat that hidden manna, the bread of life from the table of God. You're going to enjoy the blessings of heaven in that great feast. Notice also, he says, Here's the second promise. You'll enjoy God's fellowship. You'll enjoy God's fellowship. Notice that second promise. And I will give him a white stone. Now, this white stone was a stone that was used by very close friends to enter into a covenant relationship. Back in the Old Testament days, uh, this is what two men would do. They would take a white stone and they would break it in half. And on one side of the stone, a man would write a secret name that only the other man knew. And the other man would also write a secret name that the other man would only know. And it was almost like this code word, if you will, uh, that, that the two men would know together. And then they would give to each other the half of the rock of the stone. Uh, and it would signify that everything that I have belongs to you. And everything that you have belongs to me. And they would go home, go to their home. They'd go to their place of business or or present that stone at any time and and get anything they wanted from each other. It was almost kind of like a blood brother relationship that was established by this white stone. So what Jesus is saying here 
is that everything that God has, we have. Someday, we're going to have everything that is coming to us. We're going to be able to enjoy God's fellowship, that relationship, unlike ever before. We have a name that's being given to us that's so special, so precious, that only we will know it because only we will receive it. Our relationship to the Lord is so precious that it's almost impossible to describe it to those who don't know the Lord. And the greatest way to explain it is, is to remember what David said in, in Psalm 23. David said that one day God is going to prepare a table before us. That's God's food. And then he said one day we're going to dwell where? In the house of the Lord forever. That is God's fellowship. God's food and God's fellowship are only reserved for God's family. For those who are brothers and sisters in Christ who place their hope and faith in him. Are you a part of that family? You may be watching tonight, you may be here tonight, and you've never trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you haven't, you're not part of that family yet, but God wants you to be. He made a way for you to be, and that's through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, that you can, you can partake of those blessings of heaven, of the food there, of the fellowship, and, and be, a, be able to enjoy God's friendship if you hold fast to the name of the Lord and place your faith in the name that's given above every other name, the only name that can save us, Jesus Christ. What a message to the church at Pergamum, living right up against the gates of hell. He was encouraging them, stay faithful, stay firm, keep your faith placed in me. That's the message to us, even as believers today. If you don't know Christ, trust in him as Lord and Savior. But if you do know Christ, you keep trusting him. You keep being faithful. No matter how bad and how wicked things may be around us, no matter how much it looks like hell seems to be prevailing around us in the world today, you remain faithful to Jesus Christ. And one day, you may not get the blessing here, but one day you will get the blessing there. What an encouragement to this church at Pergamon. What an encouragement to us as we live in this world. Not of this world but living in this world to be a witness for Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the blessing that you've given us through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And help us, Lord, never to take the name of Jesus for granted. Help us, Lord, to count it precious, what he did for us. Help us, Lord, to remain faithful to be like this church at Pergamum, that no, no matter how wicked things get around us here in this world, especially here in America, Father, no matter how much immorality is around us and, and how much sin seems to prevail, Lord, I pray that you would help us to remain faithful one day at a time, one moment at a time, one step at a time. And Lord, when we see those things creeping up in our lives that are ungodly, help us to address those things right then, that moment, to nip it in the bud, if you will, not to let it continue to go on like the church at Pergamum did. And when we see it in the church, Lord, uh, I pray that you'll help us to deal with it, to make sure it's not our preferences, but also to make sure that we're, we're standing up for your word and we're standing for your truth and we're standing for what is right and what is godly and what is holy. And Father, I pray that you will use us in a powerful way. Bless us, Lord, as we continue to take these letters to these seven churches as we're going through this wonderful book of Revelation. May it continue to help us to see how we can apply it to our lives, that we will remain faithful to the end. And when we remain faithful, Lord, I pray 
that we would keep looking expectantly towards that day when the table will be spread before us and we'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us there online. Glad to have you with us tonight. Uh, We'll have you back next Sunday if you would. Uh, Come in person if you can. We have Sunday school at 9.15. Uh, Worship is at 10.30. You can join us again online there. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all those different platforms. Our phone live streaming. Uh, Let us know uh, if you still have any prayer requests there. I didn't see any. Were there any that you saw? Okay. So no others that were there. Thank you for joining us. You have a blessed week, and we'll see you this coming Sunday.